Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for this day. For the magic of this day. For the wonder and the awe. Lord, help grow in our hearts a stirring of your majesty as we go forth. Amen. I do recognize the irony that usually we are accustomed now to giving our sermons so much closer to you, and then on the day when Christ comes among us, I have made myself further away. But I'm reading from my scribbled notes, and my eyes have to be closer to them, so I'm sorry. The sermon will begin now. We call Christmas a magical season, a time of hope and wonder, cheer and grace. There is something in all of this that even our very pagan culture acknowledges and seeks to maintain. We feel the magic of giving and receiving, right? There is a tug pulling each of us so inwardly focused out from ourselves as we dedicate our time and resources to others. We feel the magic of family. Uh, Complain as we may about our relatives, Uh, this season reminds us of our need for connections and our gratitude for the people that God has given us. Our society has even managed to preserve something of the magic of charity. We get it in our films like The Grinch and A Christmas Carol, even Home Alone. There's no real explanation given. Folks just say, tis the season and try to feel better about doing more for others. Um, And like any good spell, the magic of the Christmas season can be captivating. But as all the spells under the magic of this world go, it only lasts for so long. For some, it wears off almost as soon as the presents have been opened. Others manage to keep the enchantment for several days, but ultimately, as Robert Frost once said, nothing gold can stay. Even we Christians cannot entirely avoid the feeling of emptiness when we come to Christmas Day. We spend our whole season of Advent building up this expectation and excitement and hope only to arrive at Christmas and find the world the same as it has always been. It feels like there ought to be some cataclysmic shift, like the babies in the manger, but this God with us that we were promised is still somewhere else. But this Christmas morning... The words from the opening of John's Gospel remind us that there is, in fact, a deeper magic of Christmas, a deeper magic that the world cannot understand or override. If you do not know the reference, the deeper magic is what Aslan refers to as as the source of his new life 
after he allowed the White Witch to execute him in the place of Edmund. He explains to Lucy and Susan, and you'll have to imagine Liam Neeson's voice here, that though the witch knew the deep magic, there is a magic deeper still, which she did not know. Her knowledge goes back only to the dawn of time. But if she could have looked a little further back, back into the stillness and darkness before time dawned, she would have read there a different incantation. She would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start working backwards. This, this I believe is the very same message that John is giving us in his own gospel introduction. He doesn't give us history like Luke and Matthew. He gives us a glimpse into the music of the divine mystery, into that incantation from before the dawn of time. In these 18 verses, which may indeed be the most profound in the entirety of the New Testament, John fixes the lens for us to perceive the entire work of the Son of God. This morning, I just want to touch on three things. One, this is a creation story. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John starts his gospel by echoing the first lines of Genesis so that we will see from the outset that the whole work of Jesus is the fulfillment of what began in the garden. John is telling us that Jesus was there then and that his incarnation was connected to that work of creation. Two, Jesus is Yahweh. In verse 14, Jesus pulls us right, John pulls us right into the heart of the Exodus story. Though most of our translations here now say that he dwelt among us, the old wording, that he tabernacled, yeah, Aaron, I see you, that he tabernacled is closer. After Yahweh delivered the Israelites from Egypt, what did he do? But he gave them this tabernacle and his presence came down and filled it so that the people would know that he was with them and that his law and his governance was flowing through Moses. The presence of God was amongst the people. They were safe and under proper authority. Jesus is this Yahweh. And three, the table is cracked and death is working backwards. If we're still looking at verse 14, I want to draw our attention to the final phrase. Full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Now, jump over to verses 16 and 17, where we read, For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What we have here 
is a reference to the attributes of God from Exodus 34. This is where Moses gets to see Yahweh, and he said he comes before him proclaiming Yahweh, Yahweh, a God gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. The, this phrase, grace and truth, is one way to translate steadfast love and faithfulness. It is the thing, it is the constant refrain of this ancient incantation from before the dawn of time. The identity of God is grace and truth, is steadfast love and faithfulness. This is the magic that cannot break. And John is connecting it here with Jesus and Yahweh. But I've already told you that John's connecting Jesus and Yahweh. So what's new here? In Exodus 34, we get all this good stuff, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, but that's followed up by a stern, but who will by no means pardon iniquity. This is a holy God who cannot stand to tolerate iniquity. It is the reason why sin and chaos have managed to stay so long in this world. But in the work of Jesus, in the coming of Jesus, we no longer have grace and wrath, but the wrath of God was visited upon the Son so that we might have grace upon grace. John wants us to see that Jesus has accomplished what we could not under the law. He has won us the everlasting favor of God, and He has cracked the table. That is the deeper magic of Christmas. The very life of God has crashed into our fallen world, and the great wave of grace has broken upon our broken nature, the living water saturating our dry bones. So if you find this season, those lesser spells wearing thin. The gifts given, family come and gone, charity running low in your heart. And you feel like there is something missing. Remember John's deeper magic. Remember that incantation from before the dawn of time. The Creator is not finished. He is renewing and restoring every inch and every minute. It starts with the life of the infant Jesus and spreads by His Spirit through you and me. The magic is everywhere we go, and it will never fade for all eternity. Merry Christmas.